Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and... Go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Adam, to change things up and not talk about the quarterback situation in Denver. We're going to look at the defense. And we got some surprising news, I think, with J.J. Watt deciding to sign with the Arizona Cardinals. As I joked, what seems to be the most likely scenario now as you get older is to go to Florida. And J.J. Watt decided to pull a Carson Palmer and go to Arizona. So with that in mind, it leads people to start wondering what do George Payton and the Broncos do with Von Miller and Shelby Harris and Justin Simmons? So what will the Broncos defense look like in 2021? I, you know what? That's a great question. And I do not know. And it's funny. We started talking about Von Miller and I thought, you know, I'm just going to Google Von Miller right now because sometimes I like to just Google a guy and see sort of what the news is. I'm going to, I'm going to read to you, a couple of the headlines that popped up when I Googled Von Miller, right? It's kind of an interesting one here. So the very first one, ESPN, Denver Broncos free agency overview, Von Miller among biggest decisions. Obviously that's like no doubt, right? 
Uh, Sports Illustrated has something Broncos convincing Von Miller to restructure contract will be difficult. Yeah, probably. That's a, a fair assessment. Uh, Green Bay Packers favored to land Von Miller in NFL free agency. That's from Yard Barker. So people are already like, let's do this. Uh, Bills fans are clamoring for Von Miller on Twitter. How does J.J. Watt signing impact Broncos situation with Von Miller? Cleveland Browns news uh, and rumors. Watt decides Von Miller, OBJ, and more. So clearly uh, Von Miller's name, if you just Google it, it's out there as something that is big news. And what it really tells you, at least the way that I see it, is it tells you that Von Miller, while he is probably going to be a casualty of the cap because this is cap casualty season he is a hot commodity he is a player that other teams see as perhaps a final piece if I'm the Green Bay Packers for example I I am I'm begging the Denver Broncos to cut Von Miller because I want to I want to go pay him millions of dollars because we know as Bronco fans and the NFL knows because they've seen him do it that Von Miller has the ability and the potential to become a, a a game changer. He's a game wrecker, and if he's healthy, you know that if you're if you're like just a little bit away from being a contender or being a championship team, which I think the Packers are probably one or two players away from sort of unseating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if you will, then Von Miller is the type of player that can do that, and he would be a perfect fit in Green Bay. He would be a perfect fit in Cleveland to make the Cleveland Browns a team that could contend in the AFC with Kansas City. Same with the Bills. I mean, you could you could put Von Miller on pretty much any contending team, and he makes that team immediately better and immediately a factor, as long as he's healthy. For the Broncos, the Broncos are so far away, and this is this is where I think that we end up sort of finding ourselves as fans here. The Broncos are so far away that I don't know that Von Miller really does anything for the team that makes them better right now, that that makes them win more. He maybe brings in one win, right? If you want to talk about like wins above replacement, maybe he brings in one win, and that's if he's healthy. And, and we've talked about this in the past. The Broncos' defense was good last year. They were the number one defense in the red zone. While I, I know they had some some poor showings, but for the most part, that was a, that was a really good defense. And Von Miller was nowhere to be seen because of his injury. So would it really be devastating if Von Miller wasn't back? Emotionally, yes. On the field, probably not. And that is pretty much where we are with Von Miller. The one team you didn't mention, and I hope it remains that, is the Chiefs. Did it on purpose. Because that kind of has the reverse Neil Smith effect. And we've been talking about the reverse John Elway effect with what's going on in in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes. But I hope that's the case. And I do think Von Miller could instantaneously make the Green Bay defense better. Because one thing that they couldn't do in that NFC Championship game was get after Tom Brady. They couldn't get consistent pressure on him. That's where Von Miller could have an immediate impact. He could help Buffalo. He could help Baltimore, which is where former Broncos end up. Derek Wolf is the most recent example of that. I think the most interesting and the most likely scenario that will determine Von Miller's fate is what happens at quarterback. If George Payton is able to go out and trade for a guy like Deshaun Watson, you then keep Von Miller. 
because Sean Watson makes the second that trade is announced makes the Broncos a contender. So you keep Von or yeah, with Deshaun Watson makes you a contender. So you keep Von Miller. If you end up running it back with Drew Locke, I don't know. I don't know if that if that plays into it at all. But I do think the quarterback situation plays a role in what happens with Von Miller. Yeah, it's a really interesting way to look at it as well. You you would assume, at least I would assume, that Von Miller would be f- more willing to take a pay cut, which is is what restructuring does, if he knows that the Denver Broncos are immediately a contender by bringing in a quarterback that is already an established NFL starter. Whereas, you know, running it back with Drew Locke and bringing in a Mile High Fitz Magic and and running with Ryan Fitzpatrick as his backup, which is something I'll push because I I think that would be fun. That doesn't make Von Miller go, ooh, yeah, I'd be willing to sacrifice these millions of dollars so that I could stick around here and potentially win another Super Bowl. He knows, he has to know, that at this point in his career, 32 years old, he's on the back nine. He may have just started the back nine, right? He may have just teed off on 10 or 11, but he's heading towards he's heading towards the clubhouse. And you you know as you're getting towards the end of your career what you want to accomplish. And I would I would venture a guess that Von Miller has made all of the money that he that he is going to make. I mean, I, I mean he's going to make more, obviously. And his concern now is legacy, and it's about what he leaves behind. And he's already a Hall of Famer, but put him on a team that could go and win a Super Bowl and have him be not just a contributor, but a starter who's going to make a difference. You go to Green, if I'm Von Miller, I'm looking at Green Bay going, if I go to Green Bay and I help them win a Super Bowl, I'm now the greatest player in NFL history. Now we know that that's not true, but that is a huge, you go to, you go to title town and you bring back a title. You know what I'm saying? Like that is something that he would have to consider. So for the Broncos, if you if you look at it from the Broncos' perspective, I think you nailed it. You bring in a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, for example, which I, you know we actually said let's talk about defense, so we're not talking about quarterbacks off the top. Here we are talking about quarterbacks because you can't help it. But if you bring in a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, it makes the Broncos a contender for the playoffs. And once you get in, you never know what's going to happen. If you don't. Von Miller doesn't want to stick around anyway, and the Broncos aren't going to pump a lot of cash into a guy who probably isn't going to contribute when they need that money to go get other free agents and and do things. It's it's going to be a situation where they end up parting ways. I, I don't see Von Miller restructuring for a franchise that isn't going to win anything. That's that's where you are with Von Miller. Does it suck? Yeah. Is it the NFL? Yeah, it is. And I I'm I've accepted it. Right, I've moved past all of those stages of grief onto acceptance. I didn't even go through the first six of them. Is it seven? It's seven stages, right? I don't know. The other players on the Broncos' defense, Shelby Harris, Justin Simmons. To me, those are two guys you have to bring back. And I know that there are reports out there and there is this belief that Shelby Harris is potentially gone. I hope that's not the case. Because as you mentioned, the Broncos' defense was pretty good last year. And two of the main reasons it was good last year was Justin Simmons and Shelby Harris. So my hope is that what we're hearing from Mike Kliss and some other people who cover the Broncos is that 
this is the worst case scenario. Because I don't think that you can let these two guys go. To me, Justin Simmons is the face of the Broncos for what he does on the field, but as we've said before, what he does off. Same with Shelby Harris. Shelby Harris is a remarkable player. You don't let a talent like that go. He's in the prime of his career. And if you're going to end up losing a guy like Von Miller, you need guys who set the tone, who are who make the defense what it is. And Shelby Harris is one of those guys. So both of them are, you do whatever it takes to keep them in your organization. And I hope George Payton and Vic Fangio do that. It is, uh, it's frustrating to sort of watch this and, and continue on this trend of, of that sort of downward spiral. And I think back to last year, uh, as we were talking at the end of the season, we were getting into free agency, we were getting into the draft, we were doing all that stuff. The conversation was the, was the upswing of the pendulum. The conversation was the, 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 this idea that while the Broncos had, had been sort of on a down a downturn that things were looking up that things were going to get better and then they didn't and that creates this atmosphere for this particular team and this franchise of where where are they going what is the identity what is it that the Broncos are trying to be and if you if you think about what's going on on the defensive side of the football the the fact that Von Miller is likely gone and there are question marks around the two other Broncos defenders who are really the face of the defense. It, you have to question what the plan is. You have to start to question, where are we going with all of this? And if it's, we're going to package everything we can to make a push for Deshaun Watson, and it ends up being that, okay, that will placate the fans, that will bring everybody around a little bit, and things won't be so bad. But if it's we don't really have a plan. We just know we don't want to spend all this money. That's going to make things really difficult for fans to, to accept and losing a guy like Justin Simmons is, is the the last thing that they can do. And I know that they're probably going to tag him, right? I mean, he's going to get the second tag and they'll try and make that work. But with Shelby Harris, Shelby Harris is a guy who has anchored the defensive line for the last couple of seasons can you really afford to sacrifice that at this point? Unless what you're saying is we are in complete rebuild mode. We are tearing it all down and we are, we're going from the, from the bottom up because the truth is they haven't been in rebuild mode at all. They've been in, we're going to, we're going to retool, right? We're going to reload and they've reloaded with, you know, koosh balls and, and marshmallows, but I guess they reloaded. So are you, are you going into a full rebuild? And, and if you are, please tell me that's what you're doing. Please give me a, at least give me a trust the process quote that I can grasp onto like I'm a Philadelphia 76ers fan for the last 20 years until finally it started to work. I need that as a fan. I need to be told trust the process at this point because I don't know what the process is. And that has to be maybe the most frustrating part about potentially losing a guy like Shelby Harris and Justin Simmons. Potentially losing Von Miller while frustrating doesn't make me angry it doesn't make me sad it makes me go yeah that's that's the nfl but losing the other guys makes me go what what is going on where are we going like you missed your turn you, you got to get off the highway dude we got to figure out where we are and look at the roadmap because nobody knows i think that hits on a key point 
the fact that we have a new general manager at Dove Valley in George Payton, no one knows what he's going to do because he's never been in this situation before. So what he does in free agency, no idea. What he does in the draft, we have an idea based on what we've seen in the teams that he's worked on in the past with the Vikings, with Rick Spielman, and some of those teams before that. But we don't really know. And I think that's the situation here where it throws everything up in the air is you don't know what George Payton's direction is, what he wants to do, let alone how he is going to get there. Obviously, he wants to make a contender. He wants the Broncos to be in contention. He knows what Pat Bowen and his creed was, how the three things that he wanted was to be number one at everything, beat the Raiders, win Super Bowls. Peyton knows that. He met with Brittany Bowen when he did his interview. But we don't know how he gets to that point. What's the plan? Who does he bring in? Who does he keep? And the thing that's so fascinating is you have the Broncos with all this cap space. They just released Jarrell Casey. They released A.J. Boye a couple of weeks ago. They now have close to $43 million in cap space, depending on what the final cap number looks like. And the NFLPA rep for the Broncos and Brandon McManus says it's going to be around $188 million. That might boost the number the Broncos currently have up even higher. What's the point of having that cap space if you don't use it to keep the people that you need to keep in your building? It makes no sense. Who are you going to go out and replace Justin Simmons with? Who are you going to replace Shelby Harris with? While we don't know what George Payton is going to do, you would hope that he realizes that what's the return on investment? What makes my team better? Keeping Justin Simmons and Shelby Harris makes my team better. It makes it more likely that we are closer to contention than if we don't. And money is not an issue because I just mentioned the cap space. Yeah, it makes you makes you question whether or not money is an issue for other reasons. And we've talked about ownership issues in the past, and and that's the other thing that sort of rears its ugly head here when you start to talk about what the Broncos are going to do in the offseason. And you know what the cap number is, and you know how much cap space they have, and that's all great. But then the question becomes, what's going on with the ownership situation? Because everybody knows that the ownership situation is unsettled. Nobody knows exactly what's going on. I think it's fair to say that we're all a little bit in the dark there, but there is no question that the ownership situation is unsettled. And until that gets situated, until we have an understanding of what the the, the ownership scenario is and who's going to be in charge and all this other stuff, well, until that happens can anything really move forward? Because there's got to be issues with like cash on hand. There's got to be issues with what the, what the ownership is willing to pump in as far as an investment goes. There's several factors that play into this. So we sit here now and as fans, obviously we sit here and we look at the, you know, the scenario and we look at the makeup of the franchise and the direction that it's gone since winning the Super Bowl in 2015. And you, and you shake your head and go, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. This is nothing is working. And if nothing is working, what do you hope for? And it really comes down to the fact that what we are all probably hoping for and at, at the root of it all is, is what we have to hope for 
is that a new ownership group comes in and makes some significant changes in the, in the meantime, right? Until that happens, we will hope for George Payton to make some moves that will make them better. If that includes a trade for Deshaun Watson, put George in the ring of fame and move on. But if it doesn't, then you've got a question. Where are we going? We, again, I, I keep coming back to this. Where are we going? And quite frankly, the driver isn't George Payton. The driver is the ownership situation. That's where that's where this team is at. It's until the ownership situation gets figured out, we really don't have any like major understanding of what's going on. Of course, there's a ton of talent on this team too. So there's there's also that sort of aspect of it. There is a ton of talent. If you don't see the talent on the Denver Broncos, you don't watch football. You don't understand it. There is a ton of talent. How much of that is being wasted on the fact that they don't have a championship caliber team in, you know, missing out on the quarterback and, you know, letting certain players go and not, you know, there's, there's a a lot of factors there and nothing is going to be answered for months and it sucks. One word that we've mentioned quite a bit to start this podcast is hope. And Andrew Mason has talked about hopium is a dangerous drug. Andrew Mason, who is now with DNVR and was with the Broncos, friend of the podcast, friend of Mile High Report. But he's right. Hopium is a dangerous drug because the the one thing Broncos country has been doing since the end of January when sportsbetting.com released its Deshaun Watson trade odds and the Broncos were a favorite, that was the first injection of hope. Chasing that dragon. And since then, we've seen reports from Jeremy Fowler, from James Palmer, from Mike Kliss, and it's just amped up the euphoria of hope. I can't, I have Spoonman stuck in my uh, stuck in my head now. But you did that to yourself. But that's what I mean. Hopium is is it? It really is a dangerous drug. And but that's what we're left now because. We don't know what George Payton is going to do. People can say what they think is going to happen, but I don't even think George Payton knows what he's going to do. So that's what makes it frustrating because, and it's not like he's going to go out and tell everyone, hey, yeah, this is exactly what I'm going to do. And because one of the things that we've heard since he was hired is that he's very tight-lipped. And if that's the case, it is going to be so different from what the Broncos have been like under John Elway. Like when everybody knew it was Garrett Bowles. It's Garrett Bowles. Everybody knows it's Garrett Bowles. They're going to pick Garrett Bowles. Well, maybe they won't because now Ryan Ramchick is available. Nope, it's Garrett Bowles. (laughs) I mean, that's been the case since he was hired. You you knew what they were going to do in free agency. You knew what they were going to do in the draft. And now if you have a guy who does not have loose lips, not to say that John Elway did, but he's going to be more more close to the vest, so to speak. That's what makes it even more frustrating because we don't know. So I, I, here we go. My hope. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Chasing that dragon. Opium. <laughs> we'll get into that in a little bit with the Broncos quarterback situation, but it, it – it's a fascinating time, and as Broncos country knows, it's never boring. No, absolutely not. One, one, just one more thing about the Elway era. I'm curious 
because you actually covered the team for a while uh, and and were you know in the media on the field that kind of thing do you think that part of the reason the media knew so much about what was going on under the Elway regime is because Elway had been with the team for so long and had developed relationships with guys like Woody Page and Mike Kliss. And you know, there's, there's a whole plethora of, of guys you could name, but those are probably the two Les Shapiro. Les Shapiro as well. Ron Zapolo. I don't know, but I just thought we'd start naming people from Denver sports media, but the, do you think that influenced just the ability for them to extract information when maybe he didn't mean to be telling them things, but he was just, talking to people he's known since he was since 1983 well i think the big one is adam schefter because he covered the broncos for the denver post during john elway's two super bowl wins throughout the those great teams in the mid 90s schefter was with the denver post and now he is the go-to nfl reporter at espn and his source was john elway so yeah absolutely i mean when you're Woody Page and you have been around the Broncos since the mid-70s, early 70s, Les Shapiro has been around. He knows John Elway. He knows the guys in the building. Of course they're going to they're gonna tell them. And I think that's what comes with being a longtime reporter is you're able to build those connections. And if you're able to get the top-of-the-line source, and that's John Elway, yeah, it, it absolutely comes from the fact that not only was John Elway around, but those reporters were around. And now what is interesting is where does the information come from now? Because Mike Kliss is still going to be the Broncos insider. That's, I mean, that's just the case. That's, that's what he is. But where does the information come from now? Because John Elway isn't going to be in the building day to day. He's not going to be involved in these discussions. Now, if the Broncos were to potentially get, the Texans on the phone, which nobody is able to right now because they're having to leave a message. Late night phone calls with crazy offers. Yeah, totally. If Now that if they get to that point, I'm sure John Elway would be involved. But until then, I don't. we don't really know. It sort of takes us into our conversation about the quarterbacks as well because now, now you start to look at the odds – and, and sure, let's go ahead and let's let's get a little more hopium going. Let's get let's get that going. But it is interesting to look at the odds because Russell Wilson has entered the chat, so to speak. And if you look at the odds for who the Denver Broncos starting quarterback is going to be in 2021, I, I, the leader in the clubhouse is still Drew Locke. That's I don't think there's any doubt about that. But there's there's a thought out there amongst the sports books that the Broncos are. Not necessarily a favorite if you look at, at other teams. You know, the, the favorite is still the Texans, obviously, because not trading him is easier than trading him. Uh, and then I think the Panthers are the next one on the list, if I recall correctly, from looking at your article uh, on Play Colorado. So, and and they probably have a better package that they can offer than the Broncos as well if they're willing to part with Christian McCaffrey and their first-round draft picks. You're looking at probably the Panthers being the the favorite there. But it's possible, especially talking about George Payton being being a guy who plays it close to the vest. It's possible that he's got stuff in the works that we just don't know about. And and there there it is. There's that you know a little bit little bit more hopium as we keep we just keep just keep throwing wood on the fire, letting that smoke burn, but no idea what it means. In terms of the odds, what's fascinating is 
and from my perspective, maddening, is Bet Fred and FanDuel a couple of weeks ago moved the Broncos to the favorite. Like they legitimately had the Broncos at plus 150. Now, if you go to either sports book, they don't have the market up. It's maddening because I'm trying to keep these odds tables updated in these Deshaun Watson stories. And you have sports books who are moving the odds out and not even offering it. So I'm still going to assume that Bet Fred and FanDuel both have the Broncos as the favorites to, to still get it because I don't think much has changed. Because when I go through and I look at the odds from that moment where they announced it, DraftKings still has the Broncos at plus 400. Sportsbetting.com has the Broncos at plus 300, which is slightly behind the Dolphins. Points Bet has the Broncos at plus 400. Basically, Bet Rivers, DraftKings, and Points Bet have the Broncos at the same odds, at plus 400. Actually, it is the same odds. Legitimately, the exact same odds for all three favorites. Texans, 250. Panthers, 300. Broncos, 400. I think that's the most likely scenario. And we've, we'll get into this debate on who would you rather have, Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson. But it seems like the sports books are agreed that the most likely scenario in terms of those two, Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson, it's Deshaun Watson. And I do think that the Broncos would be able to offer up a better package than the, than the Panthers because the Panthers don't have a quarterback. Well, they got Teddy Bridgewater. Do they have Teddy Bridgewater, or is he potentially going to be a Bronco next year? Who knows? It's craziness. The whole thing is craziness. No, it's, it's, it is an interesting question. And when you start to talk about who would you rather have from a fan perspective, from the perspective of, of, of people who have to watch the Broncos every Sunday, uh, and I guess that's really nobody has to watch them. But, yes, you do. You, you have to watch them. I, I think for me – and if you if you told me you were going to get either Watson or Wilson, it's Deshaun Watson because of the age, right? You know you're going to have Deshaun Watson for a longer period of time. But is Deshaun Watson better than Russell Wilson right now? I don't know that you could make that argument. I, I think that the argument is still that Russell Wilson is your top two or three quarterbacks in the NFL. You start to look at like Patrick Mahomes. Aaron Rodgers, I guess you have to say Tom Brady because he just won another Super Bowl, uh, although QB wins isn't a thing, but whatever. And uh, who's who's next on that list? It's, it's probably Russell Wilson. I mean, that's that's your list right there. So, you know, is Deshaun Watson also right there? Yeah, yeah, he is. But if you're telling me, like, just for next season, I think it's still Deshaun Watson for me. I think no matter what you – no matter what scenario you end up with, which guy would you rather have with the Denver Broncos? It's got to be Deshaun Watson, and it has to be because of his age and because he he's a he's a really good quarterback. I mean, they, both of those factor in. So for me, if I'm choosing, I'm choosing Deshaun Watson. Would I be happy with either one? Uh-huh. <laughs> is there a dumber question out there? Probably not, at least not right now. So, yeah, either one is fine, but Deshaun Watson's the leader there. Yeah, I it- the headline for my story you mentioned at Play Colorado is Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Drew Locke, who you got? For me, it's Deshaun Watson. But the person that I spoke to for this story, Johnny Avello, who's the DraftKings Sportsbook Director of Operations, I thought had a very interesting quote. This is what he said. I think Russell Wilson is the one who makes the, the biggest impact. Russell Wilson would probably drop them down to 25 to 1 or so in terms of Super Bowl odds. 
because let's face it, he's one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. He would make them a contender immediately. I like Watson. I think Watson has potential, but Watson hasn't won anything yet. So Watson probably drops their odds down to the 40 range, 35 to 40 range. Now keep in mind, with Drew Locke, the Broncos are currently at 60 to 1. That's not so good. you you get Russell Wilson, you move to 25 to 1. You get Deshaun Watson, you potentially move to 35 to 1. That's significant. Yeah, and and like we always say, when you look at sports books, they, sports books make money. They make money for a reason. It's because they are able to create these odds and and understand the markets and and they kind of know what's going to happen. Not that they're able to predict 100%. Obviously, they're not. But you sort of look at that and go, okay, well, they clearly know something. And so, yeah, I think if if you told me uh, which guy's going to make the Broncos better in, in 2021 so that they can win a Super Bowl in 21, uh, which guy are you taking? Well, it's, it's Wilson. It's Russell Wilson because he's the guy who's won something, like you said. But if you're telling me career-wise, who could you get stuck with for the rest of their career – I'd rather get stuck with Deshaun Watson. And unfortunately for Drew Locke, and I think that this is something we should mention here, this is the part of the show where it turns into, well, you're just bashing Drew Locke. You're just a Drew Locke hater. I'm not a Drew Locke hater. You're not a Drew Locke hater. The difference, though, is when you look at the Denver Broncos and you look at the quarterback situation, it's okay to recognize that while Drew Locke may develop into a better quarterback, and I don't think anybody can make that prediction, but some people want to Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson have developed into a better quarterback and they're both still relatively young. I mean, Russell Wilson's Von Miller's age, I believe. And so you, you got to be careful with that, but Deshaun Watson is what? 26. Is that right? Am I, am I close on that? 25, 26 year old quarterback. Come on, let's do that. And so, so don't take it as a knock on, on Drew Locke. It's not, you know, and and you go ahead and listen to the shows that from earlier last year. We were we were very excited about what Drew Locke could be. This is not us hating on Drew Locke. It's just a recognition that what Drew Locke brings to the table just isn't as much as what these other guys bring to the table. And so, if the Denver Broncos could make a trade happen and bring in one of these quarterbacks that's top tier in the NFL, why wouldn't you do that? Why would you tr- why would you not be willing to trade away potential? for realized potential. There's a difference there. We know this guy is what he is. We hope this guy becomes what he is or isn't. Should, you know, there's your hopium again, right? How much of it do you want and which side of it do you want to take it from? That's that's the whole what where what are you hoping for and how are you hoping for it? Because it's all still just hopes and dreams. Smoke and mirrors. And the reason that we're mentioning Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson is because in James Palmer's report from a couple of weeks ago, he said those are the only types of quarterbacks the Broncos would go after. If not, they don't see a significant upgrade from Drew Locke to these other guys who are potentially out there. Tyrod Taylor, Teddy Bridgewater, they're really Andy Dalton. And I would argue that Andy Dalton would make you worse. But if it's not Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, the most likely scenario, and even amongst, even with Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson, the most likely scenario is Drew Locke. 
at least in in my opinion. I, I think that's the most likely. Now, I do think, and I've said this before, I do feel like Deshaun Watson is going to be the next quarterback of the Broncos. I can't explain it. It's a gut feeling. I had the same feeling with Peyton Manning in 2012 when he was going through his online dating, when he was bouncing around to Tennessee and, and Arizona and Denver. And then, obviously, Peyton Manning was a free agent. Deshaun Watson is not. He's a member of the Texans until the, until the Texans start taking phone calls, which, interestingly enough, over the weekend, John McClain changed his tune and said the Texans should start fielding offers which is fascinating because in early January, he said he is more likely to be the next Texans head coach than the Texans would trade to Sean Watson. So that's a fascinating development. I feel like Deshaun Watson is going to be the next quarterback of the Broncos. I feel like the most likely is they run it back with Drew Locke. Yeah, I think you're probably right there. You know, and with John McClain, John McClain is, is, is the Houston Texans Mike Kliss. I, I think that's probably an important point to make there. For those of you who don't know who John McClain is, uh, he is not a police officer from New York who is at Naka, Nakatomi Plaza. You know, he, we're not really worried about Hans Gruber here. That's right. Diehard reference. I hope you enjoyed it. So, uh, you know, it is it is something where if he's saying it, it's just like if Mike Kliss says something about the Denver Broncos, you've got to you've you've got to be able to read between the lines. All right, let's let's do this. Let's take a little break. It's a little deep breath here. And then we've got an actual, actually what I think is a fun conversation, one that I hope will will get some people to sort of uh, give us their sort of feelings on this question when we come back. Uh, so don't go anywhere. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply ian uh Something that we sort of saw on Twitter the other day, if you are a, a Denver media person, if you know anything about Denver media, Rick Lewis, uh, Lewis and Florowax fame, at least for, for me, because that's what I'll always remember him as, but also the color analyst for the Denver Broncos on the radio alongside Dave Logan tweeted out an interesting question, and we're going we're gonna to do a little bit of a play on it. The question was, who was your favorite sports figure when you were 21 years old? So when you were 21, who was the the person that you looked up to the most in sports? And we're obviously, we're going to pare that down a little bit so that we can uh, focus on the Denver Broncos, because when you start to bring other sports into it, there's a, a lot of players that you could start to, to discuss and get into. But if you think back to the age of 21, now we're, we're similar ages. I'm a year older than you are. Uh, if you think back to your, your year when you were 21 years old, and you start to look at the Denver Broncos, 
and you think about who was on the team and their roster, we're going to have some similarities, but we're going to have some differences. And, you know, a little trip down memory lane, memory lane, I'll get there, don't worry. Uh, It might be fun. So just to give everybody uh, sort of a, a, a little preface here, I was 21 in 2001. That's right, I'm very old. You were 21 in 2002. Also very old, just so you're aware. I just want to make very sure. old, <laughs> but not as old as me. Remember when you wanted to be older than me? you're like, I'm older than you. And now you're like, ha you're older than me. It's such a switch. Oh, I miss being a kid. Speaking of the early two thousands, seeing old reruns of friends to now realize that I am like 10 years older than the characters on friends were at that point. And I think back to when I was in high school, I was like, Ooh, I wonder what it's like to be their age. Yeah. Now I'm older than that. <laughs> you know what? And it was never anything like being them ever. None of us ever lived that existence. That wasn't a real thing. You know what I think? No, is I, really... I, always wanted, I always wanted that New York apartment that my aunt had, and I didn't have to change the lease agreement or pay the rent. That is current. That would have been current at the time. So, yeah, I mean, I always wanted that kind of apartment that Monica and Rachel had, but. I, I wonder what that is. I, I know somebody's probably done a study on this, but that apartment in today's New York market would go for something like six million dollars a month or something like ridiculous. There's no way you get a two bedroom, two bath, uh, kitchen, living room, gigantic window to look out on naked guy. I, I mean, okay. it, <laughs> it just. It just doesn't, you don't have that for, for a few hundred dollars a month. It just doesn't happen. So, uh, yeah, that, that show was, was very fake in so many ways, but it was fun to watch. I'll I'll give you something that's really interesting. A lot of my students, I'm a junior high teacher, just if you're not aware, I teach junior high. A lot of my students were really upset when friends went off of Netflix because they watched it on Netflix and they walk around with friends shirts on, uh, as sixth, seventh and eighth graders. It just cracks me up. Like, you guys are watching Friends. I, I, I'll tell them. I used to watch Friends. They're like, you did? Yeah. You're watching what I used to watch. So I'm cooler than Why? you because I did it when it first came out. I'm the original. They don't believe me that I'm the original, but I am. I'm the original. It's just the way that it is. So, so just to bring it back to the Broncos here. When you look at, and, and seriously, everybody who's listening should start to do this. Think about who was on the team when you were 21 years old. Use the internet. I did. I cheated. You can do the same thing. Who were who were your favorite Broncos? You can go offense, defense. You could go, I mean, you can kind of go the whole way. But the 2001, 2002, that era is a really interesting era to talk about for us. At least maybe for us because that's an era when we were going to football games together too. And that was the exact moment that the new stadium opened up because the new stadium opened in 2001. So the fact that we were sitting in the South stands when I had tickets to move over from the South stands at old mile high to the new mile high, it was not the same atmosphere. Like it wasn't the same makeup of people. It it was just so different. And then the stadium was different, but for me in 2002, there were some great players on that Broncos team. You had Clinton Portis. You had Mike Anderson, Alandis Gary. Rod Smith was still on the team. Ed McCaffrey was coming back from his brutal leg break that happened the season before on that Monday night game before 
ironically, against the Giants. Shannon Sharp was back after his stint with the Ravens. You had Al Wilson, Ian Gold. I mean, Tom Nalen was still on the team. He was the center for those teams. If I had to pick a favorite, I'd probably have to go with Rod Smith and probably Al Wilson on the defensive side. And Jason Elam was still the kicker at that point. Yeah, I was going to say Jason Elam was probably still the kicker, right? Tom Ruin was still the punter. I mean, it is incredible to look back on these. I, yeah, so I'm, I'm 2001, so I don't get Shannon Sharp back, which is a bit of a bummer. And I really can't talk about Eddie Mack because you're right. He busted his leg in that, uh, in that opening game against the Giants, and so he really didn't have an impact. But if you look at the offensive side of the football – for the Denver Broncos in 2001, they weren't great. They did have Mike Anderson and Olandis Gary. Terrell Davis was still on the team. He started eight games, uh, only rushed for 700 yards in eight games. That's, I mean, actually pretty darn good. But this was sort of Terrell Davis trying to make his comeback, and, and it, it clearly just wasn't working out. And then you had, you know, at Rod Smith made the Pro Bowl in 2001 so you know if I'm looking at offense who's my favorite offensive player another one that's interesting Dwayne Carswell Dwayne Carswell made the the Pro Bowl that year uh house yeah house made made the Pro Bowl so for me I think when, when I'm looking at it obviously um you know Rod Smith is probably my favorite player uh, I, I'll say Terrell Davis as well because Davis was still on the team although he didn't play as much I mean half the season not bad uh he led actually led the team in rushing uh, but did not score a single touchdown, which uh, I think is really interesting. So he didn't have a single touchdown that year, but he led the team in rushing. Uh, that was that was a that was a strange year offensively. I mean, I, they I think they ended up eight and eight or something like that. Yeah, third in the AFC West. Not a great season, not a terrible season, but having Rod Smith there was was kind of cool on the defensive side of the ball. Trevor Price, Ian Gold, John Mobley, Al Wilson. Actually, this was the year, at least in my opinion, that you could argue the Denver Broncos had the best linebacking core in the NFL. Like, all of the linebackers that played for the Broncos were good linebackers. Al Wilson and Ian Gold both made the Pro Bowl. And Bill Romanowski was still there. In fact, Bill Romanowski started all 16 games, which as I'm sitting here looking at that, I'm going, what? I don't remember that. And then... There's some interesting ones, and I, I, I'm going to play the, the same game with the listeners that I played with you. I want you to think about this for a little bit. There is a player on this 2001 team that played in 12 games for the Denver Broncos. He had 13 tackles. He won three Super Bowls in the 90s. He played on the defensive line, and I am I was shocked, shocked to see his name on the Denver Broncos roster as I was looking through who all played for the Denver Broncos. And I'll, I'll give you a moment to, th to think about it. And I'll give you some hints. He's a big boy. He's a, he's, a, he's a guy who's a little bit famous for some blunders. He's the reason that the Denver Broncos are still the team who've been blowed out, blown out by the most points in Super Bowl era history. And it is your friend and mine, Leon Lett, played for the 2001 Denver Broncos. I mean, just... Leon Lett was on the Denver Broncos. That just blows me away. I think it's hilarious. But on defense, I think, how do you not say that Al Wilson was your favorite player on the defense uh, in 2001? Smoke Dog was amazing. Yeah, he really was. It was so fun to watch him. And I think 
while Rod Smith I listed as offensive player, I'd probably throw in Clinton Portis and Shannon Sharp. And uh-huh. I and you have to mention Tom Nalen. While I mean, if you're going to put Alan Fanica in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, you have to put Tom Nalen in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Tom Nalen is one of the most undervalued players on the offensive line in history. Because think about it. What was the argument against Terrell Davis? It was the line. It was the system. You could put any running back in that system and they could have done what Terrell Davis did. But now that Terrell Davis is in, it's completely taken the focus off of the system and the offensive line. And I, that's a shame to Tom Nalen because he should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Absolutely. It, it is one of those things where you look back on it and, and you, you really do – if, if you look at how good those teams were in the late 90s, at 96, 97, 98, those seasons, that, that offensive line was incredible. And they really were good for several years after that. And they had 1,000-yard rusher after 1,000-yard rusher. And you're, you're right. You said it exactly right. The knock on Terrell Davis was that he was running behind this great offensive line. Well, if he was running behind such a great offensive line – then these guys deserve their credit. And Terrell Davis got into the Hall of Fame because he deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. But you're right. Tom Nalen absolutely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He was uh, he was a huge part of that team. And uh, sort, of the, the, sort of the anchor of that team for a long, long time. It, it's just fun to kind of go, go down memory, memory lane here a little bit. You know, another name I didn't mention from 2001, I don't remember if you said it or not, Delta O'Neal was was on the team and made the Pro Bowl. So Delta O'Neal was on defense and made the Pro Bowl. He was one of the best return men uh, in the game at the time and and a solid defensive player. It was it was a really interesting era because it was that era sort of post Super Bowl. Uh, they they beat the they they beat the New England Patriots that year, who went on to win their first Super Bowl. Super Bowl that's the first Super Bowl in their sort of Super Bowl run. So really fascinating to look back on that and kind of see who the players were uh definitely fun definitely fun so it was also post john elway too which we're living through again (laughs) now with 2021 you've been listening to mile high report radio get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com and as always go broncos